DJ, PK, and Roxy Bernstein, Pac-12 Network broadcaster, joining us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Roxy, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? Doing well this morning. Uh, a little curious about the schedule this week. It's uh, the Utes are off. Arizona State is off. USC also has a bye. A lot of teams shut down. Washington State has the week off. Do you really think that uh, Washington State is uh, soft and has no work ethic and <laughs> is entitled? Or is that a little over the top by the coach? Well, Leach is going to leach, right? He, he's going to do what he's got to do to motivate his team. And I don't think he's talking about them in the physical sense. Do you guys? I, I think he's tech, talking about it more in the the mental approach to the game. Uh, but he was clearly frustrated the way they played last Saturday night. So the bye week, I think they needed one, especially how shell-shocked they were the week before, blowing that 49-17 lead to UCLA at home. So Washington State was in desperate need of a bye. And, you know, we're seeing all these buys this year, and everybody's got the double bye. And the way that the schedule lays out with the calendar this year, so the double buys, I think, will come into play and help some teams. And, for example, Washington State, I think the buy came at a really good time where a team like Utah, for example, coming off that huge win, maybe they wanted to, to play again this week. Yeah, I think, the, I think you're right about that. I do think the one thing the Utes like is they have some guys beat up and Zach Moss are trying to get him healthy. So I think for Zach's sake, they don't mind the bye. Uh, but you're right. Usually when a team plays a game that good, they definitely want to double down and get right back at it. And Arizona and Colorado just won conference openers, and they are playing each other. Pac-12 Network, 2.30 Mountain Time. Arizona is at Colorado. They're both 3-1. They're both 1-0, and so whoever wins this, 4-1, and 2-0, and and I know they're not supposed to be good, but man, Colorado, when they won the division, they were sixth place the year before. They were picked to finish sixth. They weren't supposed to be good, and they did. Would you buy a Cinderella story for either one of these teams if they win this game and get to 4-1 and and 2-0? and um, I think they can make things interesting, but to me, even though I look at the South and I, okay, yes, USC – beat Utah, right? I still think Utah is the best team in the South. And I don't know. I don't think it's that close, to be honest with you. Um, It's just, you know, they had a horrible night in L.A. Where you look at Colorado and and what they've done and got to give Mel Tucker a lot of credit, this team needed a spark. They were 5-0 last year before they lost their final seven games. And they just needed to feel like what it was to win again. And certainly the frustration of not finishing off Air Force at home after the win against Nebraska was big, but they're coming off the bye. Uh, and they won that road game at Arizona State, which was a really good win for them in a number of areas. But they have a veteran quarterback in Steven Montez. They have some playmakers, although they're a bit dinged up. They're at home, which is key. And they're getting an Arizona team that's won three games in a row. And Arizona, that opening game when they lost to Hawaii over in Honolulu, that uh, week zero game where they were at the goal line and just fell short uh, against the Rainbow Warriors. But Kevin Sumlin's got them playing pretty well. And Grant Cannell stepped in for Khalil Tate, made his first career start against UCLA last week. 
this is going to be a really competitive football game, I think, between two teams that are really just trying to make a name for themselves in this conference right now. You like either one? You want to make a pick? I, I would just, I, well, if you're going to make me make a pick, I would lean toward Colorado just because they're at home. Um, dealing with some injuries like Arizona is right now, J.J. Taylor didn't play against UCLA. Uh, Khalil Tate's status still is kind of uncertain to what's going to happen. So I'm going to give the edge to Colorado coming off the bye and them being at home and the injury concerns that, you see, that Arizona has. The game of the week in the Pac-12 should be Cal at Oregon, 4-1 Cal, 3-1 Oregon. But Chase Garber hurts his shoulder, so he's out. And their passing game just went south. Monster, the the uh, transfer from UCLA, that didn't go anywhere at all. Five of 14, 23 yards. Uh, is Oregon going to spit him up and uh, blow him out, or is the Cal defense going to make this interesting? Even though they had a quarterback injury. Well, Cal's defense will keep them in games for the most part. But the wild thing in this matchup, if you look at the success Oregon has had, even you know since Justin Wilcox has taken over as the Cal quarterback. But it's Oregon has scored 40-plus points in eight consecutive meetings with Cal. And that has to be a huge concern for Justin Wilcox going into this game. And if Cal's going to have a chance, they have to find some semblance of a consistent offense. Because you're right, Devon Monster really struggled in that game. Cal had just 25 yards of total offense the last 25 minutes of that game. And it's, a, it's really unfortunate for Cal as well. And you alluded to Garbers. He really started to finally figure some things out. He had played well this season. You look at that last drive, he led Cal down the field for the game-winning field goal in Seattle against the Huskies in Week 2. The way he played at Ole Miss when Cal went down there and got that win. And he was playing well until he got hurt last week. And last week... Cal would have won the game had Garbers not exited. They were they were moving the football. They were in a really good spot. But then he went down, and it just fell apart. And maybe having a whole week of practice as the starter for Monster could help him. But you're getting a, a behemoth on the other side. I think Oregon, the way they're rolling, they haven't given up a touchdown in 12 quarters. Um, and their only loss was that opening game against Auburn when everybody knows they were the better team. They just didn't win the game. So, and they're coming off the bye. I, I really think that Oregon is starting to click, and their defense is playing better than anybody thought it would. Washington's playing Stanford in Oregon-Washington with Washington State floundering out of the gate and with Cal losing their quarterback. And with Stanford already having three losses, two and three and one and two in the Pac-12, it looks like the preseason predictions that it's going to be Oregon and Washington at the end, that they look right. What has gone wrong with Stanford, and how thoroughly do you expect Washington to, to beat them? Stanford's beat up, and I did their game last week against Oregon State, and they found a way to win the game, right? That was the key. Yeah, I watched it. I know. But it, it, it wasn't pretty, right? And no, they had to really sweat it out there at the end when Oregon State made a furious rally to tie the game, and then the kickoff return sets up the game-winning field goal for Stanford. But they're really thin on both sides of the football, and that's something we haven't seen from Stanford teams. We're used to seeing the Stanford Cardinals dominate at the point of attack in the line of scrimmage, right? The intellectual brutality is what Stanford had. And this team right now, they just don't have it. And it, it, they, ha- in the past, they've had some of those spectacular players 
I think to be able to overcome some of this, whether they had a Christian McCaffrey or Bryce Love, this team doesn't have that either. And they have some consistent players who are pretty good. You know, Cameron Scarlett's a solid running back, and I thought Davis Mills played pretty well. And Colby Parkinson is a really good tight end. But they, they have some weaknesses, and this is not the same Stanford team we're used to seeing. And this is the toughest stretch I think that David Shaw has seen since he has been the Stanford head coach. And this is going to be a tough task. I know they're at home, but Washington has seemed to have found their rhythm after losing to Cal that week two of the way they played against BYU and USC. Is there just going to be nobody there? I mean, I think it's embarrassing for the conference to have a game this big. It's going to be on ESPN at 830. But Stanford hasn't been drawing well when they've been better. And I get it. Kids come from all over the country, and so they leave, and they go all over the country. And it's a smaller student body. It's not a state school cranking out, you know, with 30,000 kids, cranking out thousands of alumni every year. So I get the issues they're up against, but it still just looks bad to have the stadium be half or one-third full. I think it has to be a concern. When you're seeing it, it's not just Stanford. And I know there was some stuff written this week about UCLA and the crowd they're expecting at the Rose Bowl tomorrow night for the game against Oregon State. But we're seeing this across the board in college football. And I don't know what the answer to is to it, that we're seeing the crowds kind of dip a little bit. In some places, you know, the, the crowds are still terrific. Like you look at Oregon and Washington clearly draws well. And certainly the Utes draw very well there in Salt Lake City. But I, I think it has to be a concern around not just the Pac-12 and not just the schools we just talked about, but the landscape of college football. And I, I'm not sure why. Maybe because every game's available on television now, and, and maybe it's, it's tough when we don't know the start times and the kickoff times until 12 days prior and people can't necessarily plan ahead. I, I'm not sure what the answer is, but it's not just – uh, places like Stanford and UCLA are dealing with this. We're seeing this across the board in college football. Roxy Bernstein joining us right here, uh, Pac-12 Networks. So Oregon or Washington, you already said you think Utah is the best team in the South and you think it's not close. So assuming the Utes get to the conference title game, who are they likely to see, Oregon or Washington? Uh, right now I think it's Oregon. With, with what I've seen from the Ducks, and Washington's a good team and, and Easton's a terrific quarterback. But when you have that offensive line that Oregon does with Tanae Sewell, who's just a monster at left tackle with the four seniors, and then you got a quarterback who's you know, once-a-decade a type talent in Justin Herbert, uh, and the way their defense is performing, again, not giving up a touchdown in 12 quarters. So I, I'm going to give the edge. Even though Washington does host Oregon, I'm going to give the edge to Oregon in, in that matchup. So I do believe we'll see a Pac-12 championship game. This is my prediction before the year. I'm going to stick with it, that we're going to have Oregon against Utah playing in the Pac-12 title game. Washington and Oregon, that is uh, October 19th. And then Washington has a bye to get ready for the Utes. So those are two enormous games sitting out there in the, in the Huskies' schedule. Uh, you think anybody from the conference can get in the playoff, or is the conference champ going to the Rose Bowl? Uh, I think it's still in play. To me, I know everybody was ready to shoot down the conference early and say, oh, okay, we can eliminate the Pac-12, and that was the national narrative, and people trying to be cute and funny on social media about it. There's a lot of football left to be played, right? We're, we're talking on October 4th. You can't eliminate an entire conference. We don't know what's going to happen. Clemson nearly got beat last week by North Carolina. Something, something strange always happens. So 
So if you look at it right now, certainly Oklahoma, for example, from the Big 12 is in a great spot. I, I think they're head and shoulders above everybody else in that league. And, and certainly you look at the SEC and what Alabama's doing and, and the talent that they have. And there's some great football in that conference, as we know. Uh, Clemson's still unbeaten. They're going to be there. Certainly Ohio State. But you can't write off the Pac-12 just yet. I think Utah could still be in the conversation if they run the table. Um, if Oregon happens to run the table with that one loss being on a neutral site to Auburn, they could still be in, in the equation as far as the college football playoff. So for me, guys, it's too early to write off the Pac-12 or anybody at this point. I guess at this point, Pac-12 fans are Auburn fans. They're 5-0. and <laughs> They've got to play undefeated Florida this weekend. If they win that, that's a huge game. Now, they still got LSU, Georgia, and Bama, so they've still got three top five teams left to play. But the better Auburn does, the more you can look at the Oregon loss and go, ah, hey, they played them tough. Look how good Auburn is. I think that's part of it also, that, okay, you want to see how the non-conference foes did. And you look at the records and how they stack up. And the Pac-12 did really well in the non-conference and some of the wins that the, that the league had. Okay, that was the game everybody was pointing to, right, was that matchup. And there's still opportunities. For example, USC is going to play Notre Dame coming up. Stanford's still going to play Notre Dame. So there's still a couple of opportunities for those quality non-conference wins. But we, we saw some good play from the Pac-12 in the non-conference. Arizona State going back to Michigan State and winning. Arizona knocking off Texas Tech. Cal going to Ole Miss and getting a win. Stanford, as much as they struggled, beating Northwestern. These were really good wins for the league. Um, Washington State going down and winning in Houston. So I think the Pac-12 performed pretty well in the non-conference, and people will always point to, okay, the Auburn-Oregon game. Well, guess what? Look at the, the extent of the league. I think the league did very well in the non-conference. Well, Roxy, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for stopping by and talking a little Pac-12 football. You got it, guys. Anytime. Happy to. Have a good one. Roxy Bernstein from the Pac-12 Networks. All right. PK is going to check in next. Stay with us. And big announcement, too. Yaku, you got a little heads up on this a while ago. 9.35, we break out the news, right? Yes, we do. All right. We will get to that. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Major League Baseball, Cardinals score four in the ninth, hold on to beat Atlanta 7-6 in the opener. Dodgers shut out the Nationals 6-0, game one of the NLDS. Walker Bueller, six strong innings. American League Division Series starting today with the Rays at Houston and the Twins at the Yankees. That's at uh, noon on FS1 and then 5 o'clock on the Major League Baseball Network. NFL football. The big game this weekend, Packers and Cowboys. Sunday afternoon on Fox, Indianapolis and Kansas City, Sunday night. College football Saturday morning. It's Utah State and LSU, 10 a.m. on the SEC Networks. Utah State and fifth-ranked LSU. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Diamond Airport Parking. Begin and end every trip with Diamond Airport Parking. Diamond offers car to curb service, 24-7 airport shuttles, fantastic rates, complimentary bottled water, plus no one beats the friendly staff. Diamond Airport Parking, just off I-80 and Redwood Road. Park, ride, and save. That's Diamond Airport Parking. Big Show. Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Are you ready? You guys ready? 
former BYU quarterback Tanner Mangum. How does this BYU team beat USC and then a couple of weeks later struggle so mightily against Toledo? That's the exact question I was asking myself is, is how did we beat USC and then go and, and do this? It's a question that I'm sure most fans are asking and, and I'm sure even the players themselves. There's nothing more frustrating than watching film of a game that you could have and should have won but you didn't because you see all the mistakes that you made that you could have avoided but that you didn't. It's going to be a big wake-up call. I think they're going to have to readjust. They're going to reprioritize, refocus, so they'll be able to make those adjustments and then for the second half of the season, be able to, to refocus. Turn this up. Catch the Big Show, presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Afternoons from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, Patrick Kinahan checking in. PK, how are you? I'm good, Dave. How are you? Good. You're a little echoey, but, you know, other than that, you're at the end of a uh, megaphone. Just a couple, couple of minutes. We'll get through it. Okay. So, I am curious what you think, because you have, you have the, the, just the ability to sense, it's the gut instinct, and you know what the people are thinking. You are in touch with the vibes out there in the universe. Norm Chow, Larry the Laker. All the other Dodger fans who move around in your universe, how pumped are they? They had starting pitching, they had bullpen, they had power, they scored six runs, and the Cardinals made a couple of errors, scored two in the eighth, four in the ninth, nearly gave it away in the bottom of the ninth. How good, how good is the Dodger fan base feeling right now? I don't think they're feeling anything right now because they got a long way to go to win a World Series. It's not about winning the first round of the playoffs or the first game. you got to get that. But these are all just, they're like uh, undergraduate stuff or 100-level classes. What do you do when you get to the tests, the exams, the 400-level, the graduate level? Because it's World Series or bust for this team. The, uh, the football talk we had this morning, Kyle Gunther brought up an interesting thing. And you like people who are bold. Be bold. Kyle Gunther came on and said, Bam Olasini is here. Kyle said he has two years to play one. Kyle said you can play him four games this year, pick and choose, and then it's still a red shirt and you can play him next year. Kyle Gunther said the O-line's a problem. Tackle is an issue. Bam Olasini was highly recruited by high-level teams and is supposed to be a major impact guy. Play him every game. You're not getting through this without him. Don't hold him for next year. You're going to have a new quarterback. You're going to lose you know, Zach Moss, the NFL, and other guys, the NFL. It's not about next year. It's about now. Do you think Kyle Whittingham ought to reverse course, roll the dice, and play Bam Olasini every game and just say, hey, this is it, seven regular season games, a bowl, maybe a Pac-12 title game, take the nine and embrace it instead of trying to get 16 or 17 games over two years? If you can get nine games out of this guy and he's a difference maker, you absolutely play him. And I don't care that I'm echoey. Those are facts. You have to find ways to win it all this year. This kid, suppose he comes in and plays four games and he's great, and he grades out as a second-round pick, and he goes to the NFL. You get zero next year. That Utah has to be win-now mode. Kyle turns 60 next month. Who knows what the future holds? You can get injuries. You might get injuries this year. Hopefully not. So, yeah, I agree with Kyle Gunther 100%. Predictions aren't worth the toilet paper we write them on. However... People expect them, and they want them. So we make them anyway, recognizing that, you know, straight up, we can't pick more than 70% of the games anyway. Big picture, I oversold Stanford in my brain. You oversold Washington State in your brain. Question is, who did we undersell? Colorado's playing Arizona. They're both 3-1. and one. 
you can rationalize rationalize away their losses to Mountain West teams, even though they're, they're still losses to Mountain West teams. They're both one and one conference. They play each other. The winner will be four and one and two and zero. Oh. Could they be setting up a Cinderella season like Colorado had? I don't know. Was it three years ago now when they won the division? Came out of nowhere. No. No. All right then. Let's move on. <laughs> no. Well, relative to. Well, I, I have to say, relative relative to winning the division, I mean that that really is it. Because if they have a great year and they win eight, nine, ten games, but the Utes beat them out and the Utes win the division, then that's all Utah fan really cares about. And Arizona and Colorado. Also, this goes back to what we were talking about with BYU. Arizona and Colorado are both doing this with the veteran quarterback, the senior quarterback. Uh, I'm blanking right now. Yock, Tate, senior, right? Yes, Tate's a senior. Colorado definitely has a senior quarterback. And so this is it. You're building for your big year now. If you have a freshman or a sophomore quarterback, which is where BYU is, and that's why we were talking about it, but if you're any school with a freshman or sophomore quarterback, uh, Arizona State starting a freshman this year, whatever you do, you're thinking, okay, that's now the seller, and we build from here. And Arizona and Colorado can't really say that. But nonetheless, hey, if you can go out and find a way to have an 8, 9, 10 win year, do it. And the winner of this might have a shot at that, even if they don't have a shot at winning the Pac-12 South. And PK's phone dropped, so now Yak is scrambling to get him back. Technology, baby! I love it! All right, the NFL this weekend. Uh, i got to tell you, the NFL, they're masterful. Baseball takes hits. Basketball takes hits. And the NBA is getting better. The NBA is getting better at hiding the bad games and accentuating the good games, and they continue to do that. And uh, PK back with us now. And, and the NBA is getting better at accentuating the big games and hiding the bad games, but the NFL is masterful at it. There are a ton of mediocre to bad teams playing each other, and those games are all regionalized. And then you look at Sunday night, there's a decent game. Sunday afternoon and the Thursday night game are both high-profile games. They're doing an excellent job, PK, of putting the best foot forward, hiding a bunch of bad games, but giving us the Rams and Seahawks. And I'm looking forward to Packers and Cowboys Sunday afternoon even though it's on the wrong network. Who are we kidding? That, that's two brand names that are both off to three and one starts. This is a good game. It absolutely is a good game. Really, the only bad games are every week, Channel 2, when they put the Broncos on. Hey-oh! Yes. <laughs> we, I talked about this. I know, I'm with you. I talked about this. I don't know how long this is going to continue. I thought the Broncos were bad going into this year. And I watched the opener. It was a Monday night game against the Raiders. And I came away convinced I was right. They were bad. And the Jacksonville game, Jacksonville's not a good team. They're not a brand-name team. And it's on last weekend, and I cringed. And then I saw the ratings, and they were enormous. Now, this week, people have a chance to go watch the Packers and the Cowboys. Are people really going to watch this? This is 2-2 two and two versus 0-4. Oh I want to tell you it's compelling, and I can't do it. This isn't compelling. The Broncos are going nowhere. You are comparing ratings to ratings. You're not comparing... NFL ratings to NFL ratings. How do you know if you didn't put on a better game, the ratings wouldn't be triple of those? You do this all the time. You compare ratings to ratings. Yeah. How about you compare a better game to the Bronco game? How do you know you don't get better ratings? You know, the funny thing is that exact point I was looking at last night at work, anticipating this conversation today. And seriously, this goes back to my point about the NFL regionalizing all these bad games. CBS has six games. And the game that seems to be getting, that's getting picked up around the country the most, in addition to the Bronco game, 
is the uh, Patriots playing Washington, and that's a terrible game. There are no good games. And in Utah, there's no other afternoon game. And in Utah, with so many people going to church in the morning, not to mention you know people like yourself hiking to the mountaintop and not being back for an 11 a.m. kickoff, and the golfers who aren't back for the 11 a.m. kickoff, the morning games just routinely are just a disaster. Even Bronco morning games aren't very good. So there's one 2 o'clock game, so they take it. I'd rather see Bronco Mendenhall than the Denver Broncos. And I also said earlier this morning, I don't think this is going to get better with the Broncos. And they haven't had a lot of losing seasons. But not only is this going to be a losing season, I think this has a chance to be a disaster. If they end up 4-12, and I'm not shocked. I can't guarantee that will happen, but I'm not shocked. And I just wonder, are we going to be seeing a 3-11 and Bronco team out there Week 15? Because I'm not looking forward to what happens to my Twitter feed when that. I mean, I know you're off Twitter, but I'm still on it and I still see it, and it's just, it's going to be ugly. But that may be what happens. I don't know. That's why I have four small TVs in the NFL package on each of them, so there I don't have are. to watch the Broncos. There you are. Now they're all small. I have small TVs. They're not that small. <laughs> I've seen your TVs. Is there a part of you, and I'm going to guess... I got a big TV. I'm going to guess the answers, <laughs> and I can't even blame Yach. Yach just slipped out. He's got to go to a, to a wedding. And so uh, now Buck is in here tormenting me. Is there a part of you, even though you don't care about the playoff and you only care about your conference, is there a part of you that would like to see 7th-ranked undefeated Auburn beat 10th-ranked undefeated Florida? Because that makes the, loss, the Oregon's loss look better, props up the Pac-12, and maybe helps open the door to a playoff. Do you care enough? Uh that, it's too early. That's too much of a reach. My, my head is spinning with that. <laughs> i got to have this team beat that team so a team that I don't even know is going to win their division, let alone win the conference, get in the playoff. That's too much of a reach. Well, you got it in point there. Auburn's still got to play three top five teams after Florida, and Oregon's got the Washington game out there in two weeks, and then we'll know more about the Pac-12 yeah. North race. But I figured, you know, with the Utes and the Cougars on a bye, if people are watching football 1.30 on Saturday, uh, Auburn, Florida, both unbeaten, that looks like a pretty good game. That's a good game, yeah. I agree with you 100%. I've got no problem with the quality of the game. But I can't tic-tac, this goes to here, that goes to there. That's too confusing because I believe that any opportunity they have to leave out the Pac-12, they're going to do it because – yeah. That's who they are. Nobody seems to like Larry Scott, blah, 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 blah. Yep. At this point, it does seem like the story's getting written. So if it goes there, you can't be surprised. When in doubt, pass over the Pac-12. Just let them go. Right. Uh, David Locke was on, and this will shock you. But while you went with your gut instinct and he went with his numbers, you ended up at the same place dissecting the Western Conference race. And I saved myself a whole lot of time in the process. <laughs> See? <laughs> <laughs> That's a fact. He did say anything from first to fifth is possible. He thinks second uh, is probably a realistic goal, that that would be a pretty good outcome. Third wouldn't be bad, but he can see that two, three, depending on how things shake out, you got to be lucky with injuries and who knows about midseason trades and all that. And he said, and even if things go right and all the numbers on paper work out and they're number two, hey, number seven, Golden State, could be there healthy with a bunch of playoff experience and Clay Thompson back and yikes. So really, he echoed you. Oh, for sure. Yeah, uh, I can I can see with that ha- that happening, and it would be fun to actually watch it if it happens. And also the uh, the news out of the Jazz today, uh, the announcement just out 
Jimmy O, we both known Jim Olson for a long time, is the new jazz president. And for people who like the jazz continuity, and for people who like the jazz way, and people knowing what's going on, and let's not do something and rock the boat because you got a good thing going, then uh, Jimmy Olson's a logical pick because he's been in the organization forever, worn multiple hats, and uh, you like people who pay their dues and work up to the moment. And he's worked 25 years to be an overnight success. Yeah, you know, I think this compares to what I kept saying about for years with Utah State. They've got to get somebody who understands what the state of Utah is all about. They did that with Gary Anderson, and they've had success after not having success bringing in outside guys. You need you need a real, live, living Utah from A to Z. And basically, when you look at Utah football, when did it start to take off? Well, when Coach McBride came in and he understood the state, everything about it. You don't even have to be a member of the LDS Church. You just have to understand what it's about and how it plays out. And we saw Utah take off, and we saw that that's what they did with Gary Anderson. So I see it's the same type of parallel here in terms of getting somebody who's already been in there and understands it from A to Z, because this is a time, the time we're at now with the Jazz is about taking it to a higher level, so to speak. It's not about developing it. They're not in the development stage. You're always trying to develop and get better. But where the organization is as a team specifically, it's about winning right now. And so you need people on board who they don't have time to get acclimated. They need to hit the ground running immediately. And we've seen that with these last two positions that the organization has announced. So that's why I'm not surprised. And I think it's the right thing, because if you compare it to those two football examples, if you get an insider, you might be able to get somebody from the outside, and Urban Meyer did his thing, but then are they going to stay, and they really just going to take off? Anytime you bring in an outsider, specifically into our state, you have to wonder, how long are they going to be there? But if you bring in an insider, Kyle Whittingham, this is his home. He's not going anywhere, right? And Kalani Sitaki. Same type of deal. Gary Anderson comes back after he leaves. And so now is having success and that type of thing. So I really see some parallels there. Yeah, Bronco, uh, even though he left, um, they got, uh, you got to do the math for me. How many years they got out of him? A decade? Well, a little bit longer than that, but yeah, but Bronco came back when he had the opportunity to come back. I mean, you can't come back if there's no opportunity, right? And once he got the opportunity to come back, he did, and obviously he understood exactly, which is, I think, why BYU takes a hit, because I know some, a lot of their fans really don't care if the coach is active LDS, just as long as he doesn't embarrass them, but I think that that it goes beyond being a faithful member. It, It really is about understanding what the faithful member is about at BYU. And I think that's part of the reason why they've had that sort of unwritten qualification is because he has to understand, and most of the coaches have to understand. Now, you can get up to snuff. I mean, Jeff Grimes come back, and I'm sure he understands, even though he obviously isn't a member of the faith, hasn't gone on a mission, but I'm sure he understands what BYU is about as far as who you need to get and how you need to negotiate the, the BYU life, so to speak. So Jim Olson, the Jazz president, promoted and that announcement just coming out, and he's been with the club for a long time, has worn multiple hats. 
I think when I first knew him, he was doing tickets. He was a ticketing guy at that point. And then he got bumped up from there. And then uh, he was most recently in charge of the arena rebuild. And you and I had a yeah. unique a unique view. Those of us in radio had a unique view because we were one of the few that didn't move out of the arena for the rebuild. So we actually saw it every day. That was oh uh, yeah, that was amazing. That was organized that chaos thing being rebuilt. Right, that was organized chaos in a really short window. And we're going to do it right. in an off season. Hey PK, yeah, they're ripping out impressive. all the green chairs. It looks pretty weird in there. <laughs> it, yeah, that summer what was it two years ago now? Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. And Jim was in charge of that. So congratulations to him on being the president. All right. uh, Anything else you'd like to talk about in the world of sports? We've hit a lot. Uh, For you you fans and Cougar fans, enjoy this little time off because next week it starts up again and that pressure resumes. So it looks like we have some good weather. So take advantage of it because this is this coming week here. Well, you know, tomorrow is like the sixth week. So basically – it's the halfway point, whether you've had a buy or not. Now we got another a couple, another buy to go. It goes by class, man. So enjoy it. A lot of fun times still ahead. I'm really because once once we get back with the buys over, and they do have another buy. I get that, but the implications of the games, even for BYU, which doesn't have a conference game, I get that. But they've got after this week, they got Central uh, South Florida, and then they get Boise and Utah State. Oh my gosh, those are huge games for what BYU is trying to do. And for the Aggies, just stay healthy. That would be my wish for them. I don't see how they're beating LSU there. Hopefully they can keep it competitive, but the most important thing, they need to come out of it healthy. Don't get beat up. Yeah, you might, you might be working on something in conference. Big thing. And I think if they should find a way to win, I think you need to do like Gary Anderson did and get a big A for Aggie tattoo. <laughs> there you go. We'll discuss that later. All right. Okay. PK, thanks for checking in. We appreciate it. All right. See you. All right, DJ and PK brought to you in part by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMDeals.com. Your feedback coming up. As another show comes to an end, comes to an end, it's time to hear from you. Is this live right now? From your calls, tweets, and open mics, this is the best feedback of the day. This is why we lost the game. Presented by Strong Audi on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It is time now for your feedback. All the stuff you think about today's show. Ryan, loving this tweet. Actually, who is it originally? Good grief. Seven and five, six and six. This comes from Ilnati. Was always the expectation for BYU coming into the season. The line on total season wins was set at six. What are you people thinking or expecting? They're performing exactly as expected. Well, Ilnati, actually, I agree with you because I picked them seven and five and I thought they'd be two and three right now. But I can tell you what happened they beat Tennessee and USC. And most people didn't have them two and two. So now you're a game up. Now it's seven and five or eight and four. And. It's the way they lost to Toledo. They were up 14-3. They were in charge. They were going to open that game up and win. Oh, oh. So that's what it is. It's grief, Elnati. You've got to let them, 
You got to let them get through the get through the grief. A lot of you commenting on Facebook. I'm more interested in seeing how the Jazz perform and how far they go in the playoffs, if they can compete for a championship, than seeing how ESPN ranks them. Who wants to buy a T-shirt, a hat that says ESP, ESPN high-ranking champs? Yeah, it's just that that's how we got right now, Ryan. We got right now what we have is Vegas odds, computer predictions, riders at places like ESPN coming with their predictions. Yeah, once we get to the games, we won't discuss this. A few of you will remember that Vegas said 54.5 wins over or under. Many of you will forget that. Dustin asked Brian Keel, given the changing landscape of players being compensated for their hard work in college football, which two current BYU players would be able to profit from their likenesses and which two Utah County businesses? Brian said, hard to figure out the businesses, but you just look at who the biggest boosters are maybe and guess at that. And then you just look at quarterback and then one other star player with a big personality. So that's the way it works on most NFL teams. I'm curious now, if this becomes legal, even though the money has to come from these other companies, if this becomes legal, is every school going to add some marketing person now who tries to set up and broker these deals? Are we going to wait for a company to approach a 19-year-old? Are we going to wait for a 19-year-old or a 19-year-old's parent or high school coach or brother or somebody to approach companies? Or is there going to be somebody constantly pairing local businesses with players and spreading this money deeper into the roster? Whole position groups. I brought up the all-you-can-eat thing. Can you see all the offensive and defensive linemen staring at each other, one in the road whites, one in the home colors, across some table and a big pile of food at whatever the local uh, all-you-can-eat establishment is? Pizza place, the uh, Brian brought up Sizzler all-you-can-eat, whoever, Chuck around, whatever, wherever in the country, whatever it is. Where's this going? Could end up being lucrative for some players here. But how many? Alex, I want to know why you're covering red and blue when both end buys and not covering a team playing in Baton Rouge this weekend. Well, team in Baton Rouge doesn't have as many fans, and they're 26.5-point underdogs in a non-conference game that their coach really doesn't even want to play. So there's that. And trust me, Gary That's Anderson the reason. Gary Anderson came back to Utah State and looked at the schedule year one and didn't like it. Did he want to fly to Wake Forest for the opener? Nope. He was happy it was a Friday, not a Saturday. Because then the players, when they travel back and they get back at 6 a.m. or whatever, it's Saturday and they got all day to recover. But traveling the East Coast, if coaches had their way, there'd be less travel. Coaches, not just Gary, lots of coaches hate travel. They know the stats on traveling multiple time zones and how bad the record gets. If Gary had his way, they'd go play a Pac-12 school on the road every year. Fine, you got to do it. You got to have a money game. And because you can't get a Pac 12 team every year when you can't, because everybody says no, then you go play a Big 12 team. But going to Wake Forest and then going back to LSU after you've already played two conference games, yeah, here's a number of, here's a number of coaches running to embrace that schedule. Zero. So, my wish for Utah State is that they not have injuries. They got a chance to do something in conference, 
Boise State's the favorite. It's uphill. Air Force looks like a good team. They beat Colorado. They gave Boise a, a, a good game. And you still have to go to Fresno. And I don't know that Wyoming's ever easy, so you know you can go on down through the list. But you're 2-0, and you look like you have a pretty good team. The Aggies passed the eyeball test without digging into a bunch of stuff. They got receivers. They got running backs. They got two good running backs. Now, one just limped off hurt in the last game. But they got two good running backs if they're healthy. They got a quarterback. They got some guys on defense. They look like they got a shot. And maybe it'll work out and maybe it won't. But don't get beat up in LSU in a game that most coaches, Gary included, would rather not be playing right now. And with that, we're out of time. Tony and Austin are coming up next. DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.